All right, welcome back to another episode of the Sex Mancers Podcast. I am your host, Jacob Johnston. Hey, normally I start off the show with, you know, either, you know, a bad touch by the Bloodhound Gang or something funny to try and lighten the mood and get you uh, into the right mindset for the podcast. But not this episode. This episode, I'm going to answer a listener's question. Now, it doesn't seem to be so much of a question as it is a critique or a statement, and I think it fundamentally misunderstands what this podcast is about. And while others have submitted questions, and since they didn't really indicate that they wanted it answered on the podcast, I've gone through and respected privacy and, you know, responded uh, via email. I've also, you know, I had some of you contact me. We've done some coaching sessions. Uh, things have gone well, but, you know, uh, because sex and relationships tend to be a private matter uh, for most, I uh, have not wanted to, you know, have those sessions aired as part of the podcast episode. And yes, you know, I'm going to respect your privacy. But here I received a question uh, from Anonymous that just says, you know, name, you know who. No, I actually don't know who. Uh, don't have a clue who you are. Uh, sending this, you've provided nothing that indicates who you are. But the question seems to fundamentally misunderstand what this podcast is about. You know, and although I could try to be, you know, very defensive and try to analyze where I think the person is, you know, politically or, you know, that the question itself, you know, is indicative of such and such. I'm going to take this as more of a misunderstanding of what the show is about. And, you know, that misunderstanding may lead to whether or not this podcast is for you. You know, so whoever submitted this question, this is for you because I will freely admit this podcast is not for everyone. It's not for every relationship and every relationship situation. You know, when I came up with the idea for this podcast, and I explained this in the introductory episode, and so... You know, while I would think that a lot of people would go back and maybe watch the episodes, or not watch, but listen to the episodes in order, you know, especially, you know, that very first introductory that explains what the show is and what the show is about, you know, um, you know, you would have already gotten this. But some of you, I guess, you know, the newer listeners, uh, don't always, you know, go back into the archives. You just kind of pick up at the very first episode that you subscribe to and, you know, went forward with that. So I'm going to explain this. Uh, when I first started, you know, this uh, show, you know, it wasn't my first podcast. And when I first got into podcasting, and I've had multiple podcasts now, some of them I just ran out of things to talk about, so, you know, just kind of faded away. Others are still very much active. And so, when I first got into podcasting, one of the things that I've heard is that the riches were in the niches. You know, and so this podcast is for a very select niche audience you know, right now. And so when you start off, you have to figure out what separates you from the other podcasters. And that is niching down to a very narrow focus for your audience. 
And then once you've exhausted everything there is about that particular niche, then you expand, you know, and broaden the subject matter until you can uh, pretty much do a show on the broad topic of sex and relationships. And so when I went through and I developed the uh, concept for Sexmancers, I went off to see what other podcasts were available for people looking to improve their marriage and their sex life. And I have found podcasts, you know, and there's plenty of women podcasters out there, you know, uh, women giving advice to women. Hey, that's great. You know, women giving relationship advice, you know, to both men and women. Hey, that's great. Uh, married couples, you know, giving advice, you know, get, you know, on both of the give and take and, you know, what, what both, uh, couple, you know, what both partners need to do. In order to have a successful, you know, marriage, yes. And I've seen men giving advice to other men. But what I didn't really see a whole lot of is men giving advice strictly to women. And that's what the show is. It's you getting advice directly from a guy on how to take the first steps to improve your relationship with a guy. You know, it is very much that narrowed. Now, if I was giving advice to men on the subject of how they can take the first step to improve their relationship with their wife, their fiance, their girlfriend, the the advice I'd give would be very different. Why? Because the targeted audience would be different. And so why do I say I give advice to women? Well, because I'm a man, and so I I know how guys think. I know how, you know, guys bond. I know, you know, what affects a guy's mood. If I had the key secrets to understanding everything about how women think, how women operate, how, you know, uh, women's sex drive completely operated, you know, the complete instruction manual to women— I'd be the richest guy alive, but I don't. So even if I was giving advice to men, it would just be things that I've picked up that may or may not work for them. You know, so I try to stick to the subject knowledge that I know, and I know what, you know, motivates guys to change behaviors and actions that get them more involved in the relationship. And in the first episode, I also mentioned that there's no political filters here. I'm not going to filter my advice through the lens of political correctness, because that does you no good to tell you what you want to hear, right? I mean, I I, kind of don't understand, you know, some of this mindset of, you know, people are looking for advice on how to improve something, but the advice that they want is just to hear that what they're doing is already great and that they don't need to change. Because I'm making the assumption, based off of who this podcast is for, that if you're listening to this show, that you're a woman and you're in a relationship, it's not bad. He's not abusive. He's not an asshole. He's not you know, mistreating you physically or mentally, but more that you got into a rut. You got into a routine. You know, and guys do get into a routine where, 
you know, that passion, that, you know, spontaneity, that honeymoon phase is over, and you're trying to get that back, right? You're trying to get the passion back into your life. You're trying to get them, you know, to spend more time with you, to notice you, rather than get up, go to work, come home, you know, kind of tired, relax in front of the TV where he either watches, you know, his favorite show, sports team, or plays video games, and then gets up and go to bed, right? So that's what I'm thinking that the relationship is like, and that you're trying to figure out ways that you can take the first step to change that behavior, re-spark the passion, and improve your marriage and your sex life. You know, so there isn't going to be a political filter. I'm going to give you real advice. You know, you may not want to hear it, but ask yourself, if doing what you're already doing is what you want to hear, and doing what you're doing is already working, then why are you trying to find advice to improve it? Because if you're looking to improve your marriage, improve your sex life, it means that right now you don't find it as fulfilling as you want it to be. You're not finding it as satisfying as you desire it to be. So you're not going to get different results doing the same thing. You're only going to get different results by engaging in different behavior. And taking a look at studies, you know, uh, various, you know, uh, studies on women's happiness, uh, you know, in life in general, women's happiness in their marriage, you know, women's happiness, you know, with, you know, their sex life. You know, I realize that women are generally less happy now than they've been in the past. And there's been a lot of reasons for that, a lot of cultural changes, a lot of, you know, uh, changes in attitudes uh, towards how we view the other gender, marriage, marriage roles, yada, yada, yada. You know, we've gone through that, but I'm just going to give you advice that's real. And even though it's real advice, you know, one of the things that I believe I stated in the introductory episode is that this is for 80% of the people, 80% of the time. There is no one size fits all. So I would uh, go ahead and encourage you that if you're taking my advice and you've been doing this, you know, for uh, months, you know, I would say between three to five months, and you haven't seen any improvements, then maybe this is not the show for you. You know, maybe you need a a different perspective for what would work for the man in your life. All right. So it isn't, you know, going to be a hundred percent for everybody. I have a very specific, you know, audience member in mind as I produce the show, as I go through the podcast. All right. So if you're going through and listening to this and you're saying that your marriage, your relationship is not as satisfying as you want it to be, and you're wanting to find ways to improve it, I would say keep an open mind, you know, figure out, you know, that if you're not fulfilled, then you have to change something in order to, you know, change the relationship and get it to what you want. Now, men and women are different. And this is why I start off with sex first. Now, if you go through the archive, you'll notice that I've produced several episodes 
that get you out of the bedroom, right? I've talked about ways to increase the communication in your marriage, in your relationship. And I talked about that by doing a budget together, right? And so this is one of those things where, you know, I've gone through and I've given you some out-of-the-bedroom advice. And as well as, you know, you know, advice about keeping them healthy because men aren't, you know, generally good at taking care of themselves. And the reason why, you know, I picked budgeting for a communication tool and there's been a lot of, you know, indication studies, anecdotal evidence that budgeting helps increase communication because what are you doing when you're doing a budget? You're not just going off and paying the bills you're communicating about what your household values are and then agreeing on that. And then you live by those household values. And what you spend your money on determines what is important. And talking about it, you know, what is important in your household, you know, where your priorities are and how you want your future to look is a great way to communicate. And there's no better way to do that than budgeting. So I've gotten away from, you know, sex in previous episodes. But why do I start with sex? Well, here's why. And, well, one last thing before I get there. I do have a map, you know, for the show. You know, start off with sex, provide, you know, a little bit of a break from sex here and there. And then as the show continues on, you know, move more and more towards a 50-50 split of sex and non-sex relationship advice, right? Now, I probably got about, if I stick to just once a week, I probably got about another, you know, six to nine months of being able to stick to just sex. But, you know, you let me know whether you want me to start mixing it up a little bit more now, right? Go ahead, um, you know, submit, you know, some feedback if you want you know, some more advice, you know, um, getting out of the bedroom and stuff, go ahead and provide me that feedback. And I'm very much adaptable towards changing, you know, what my game plan is for the show. But men and women bond differently. And this is why I start with sex. See, men, we bond through physical activities, whether that's through competition and developing friendships or you know, shared activities, I mean, even video games is a form of competition, you know, but through shared activities, you know, shared adventures, and then how we bond emotionally with the women in our lives after we get through the, oh my God, you're so pretty, you're so hot, you know, initial attraction, how we develop emotionally is through physical activity. And no one can deny that sex is a physical activity. Now, you've already gone through and you've bonded enough that you're in a relationship. And I'm assuming a long-term relationship and, you know, most likely marriage. Uh, Sorry, dropped my pen. And so when you're wanting to rekindle, you know, you're wanting to do activities, you know, to create that bond with your guy, for your guy to rebond with you, I should say. You know, you're still emotionally bonded and women, you know, I understand, you know, that most women bond emotionally by talking and having shared feelings, you know, having their feelings shared. And, you know, there's a lot of things that may contribute to this, 
both societal and evolutionary, and maybe it's because of the difference uh, in the corpus callosum uh, of the brain between men and women, where women have a thicker corpus callosum, allowing for more activity between the left and the right side of the brain, whereas men have a more narrow uh, corpus callosum and tend to be more left brain dominant. You know, and so, you know, we can, you know, try and discuss why that is, you know, and, you know, I start with sex because, you know, if you're looking to break up the routine and get changes, it's the path of least resistance. You want to get, you know, results fast towards getting the relationship that you want. You take the path of least resistance, you know, and guys are generally going to say yes to sex. Well, what happens when your guy goes through, you know, his normal routine, gets up, goes to work, comes home, watches uh, TV, plays a video game, goes to bed, you know, or, you know, gets up, goes to work, comes home, plays around with the kids a little bit, then watches TV and go to bed, right? Well, you offer him sex, he's going to say yes most of the time. Now, remember I said that if he says no, he might have jerked off recently if it's been a while, you know, and so just give it like a day or two and ask again. But if you offer him sex, he's going to be more agreeable. And if you do that on a night that you don't normally have sex, what are you doing? You're breaking up a routine. You're switching it up a little bit. And this starts the process of him getting out of his current routine and into another routine that helps reconnect him emotionally with you through a physical activity. And that physical activity is not going to have much of any resistance. So you're starting to understand, you know, that it's not about sexism. It's about where's the area in which you can get the biggest bang for your buck and getting the changes that you want. You know? Plus, let's also take a look at another way here. Not only is it the path to re least resistance, you know, towards breaking up a routine, but it makes your man happier, right? I mean, we can go through all the science of all the physiological changes, you know, the release of endorphins, you know, the, you know, how much it reduces stress and all the studies, you know, that go on and talk about that, you know, relieve stress and, you know, produces happy hormones, endorphins, helps them get a better restful night's sleep. Well, what does all that do? That makes them happier, Right. And what happens if a guy is happy? He's more agreeable, right? Have you ever gone through and, you know, not had sex with your guy for a while and then tried to ask him to do anything? How agreeable is he? He's probably pretty grumpy. He's probably like, I don't want to do that. And, you know, oh, I'll just get to it later. Unmotivated, you know, not really willing or how hey, get to it when this is over, right? He, he's going to stick to his routine. He's not very motivated, but if he's happy and he doesn't have stress or he has a lot less stress and he's getting a good night's sleep, which are all things and more that sex provides, when you start asking him to do other things, he's going to be more agreeable because he's in a happier mood, 
happy people are more agreeable. So you're starting to see the that it's not about sexism. It's about logical ways, uh, or logic, knowing my experience as a guy. Right? And so, you know, we got a more agreeable person using a path of least resistance with physical activity. So I'm going through here, going through the list of bonding and agreeableness. Right? Plus, more sex, another you know, another benefit of more sex is having more energy. Right? Sex provides a lot of energy when you engage in it a lot. Why? Because it's exercise. And anytime you're exercising, it boosts your energy. It boosts your energy levels so that you actually have the energy to get up out of the chair, turn off the TV, and go do something. Right? So even if your guy is pretty agreeable in most situations, if he comes home and, you know, he's just dead tired, exhausted, and, you know, he doesn't want to do anything, even if he's generally in a happy mood with not a whole lot of stress, he's still going to be unmotivated because he doesn't have the energy. And so more sex equals more exercise, which leads to more health, agreeableness, but more energy to actually get out of the house with you to maybe go to whatever thing you want to do. Whether that's some art museum or whether you, you want him to go and play basketball because basketball is your thing, uh, go for bike rides, go for walks, go, you know, whatever it is your thing is, right? There's about a bazillion things, you know, that you women like to do that involves a lot of moving around. Well, give him the exercise he needs in order to, you know, boost his energy levels so that he is going to be, you know, able to, you know, go outside and keep up with you. Plus, sex, you know, does the same thing, you know, for you women, too. You know, it may, it releases endorphins. You know, it releases, you know, a more, uh, you know, pheromones and a lot of, you know, chemical, biological interactions that help deepen your feelings. It helps, you know, relieve stress for you puts you in a happier mood as well, right? And so you're happier, he's happier, it's much easier to get along, and you're both agreeable, right? But even if, you know, he's in a happy mood, if you're a grump, well, then, you know, people don't like being around grumps, just like you wouldn't want to be around him if he's a grump. You know, you just want to leave him alone. So we go through all of that, and, you know, the health benefits, you're happier, you're easier to get along with. And so now you know why I focus on, you know, sex so much. And in relationships, women tend to, in most cases, you know, this may be a general stereotype, but I have found the stereotype to be generally true, that women in the relationship tend to have a lower sex drive, especially you know, in their 20s. Now, you get a big boost, you know, in your 30s, okay, but is that boost enough to keep up with him, you know, and what his drive is? Because in most relationships, a guy is generally not getting as much sex as he wants, and so he's not as happy as he can be, agreeable as he can be, and 
everything else that I had stated. Right? So it's not about sexism. It's about setting it up when you're taking the initiative to put him in the best possible mood, energy levels, health, and bonding. So he's more agreeable to doing stuff with you outside of the bedroom. And what you'll notice, you know, and this is what I noticed, you know, uh, with me, right? There was a time when, you know, me and my wife, you know, we were going through kind of a drought, a bit of a routine, you know, yada, yada, yada. And then, you know, we went through and we talked about it. And so we, you know, agreed that we were just going to have more sex. Well, what ended up happening? Well, uh, during the time period, because, you know, things come up and disrupt the routine, you know, you get sick, kids get sick, you know, um, you go through a phase when the kids don't let you get any sleep um, because they're waking up throughout the middle of the night. So there's going to be some disruption. But, you know, for me, when I'm going through and I'm, you know, having, you know, uh, are getting all the sex, you know, that I can desire and that I need, what happens? I'm happier. I'm more energetic. I'm spending more time, you know, flirting with my wife. I'm, you know, going ahead and I'm doing things, you know, such as, you know, doing the dishes more, doing more cleaning around the house as an act of love because, you know, well, I have more energy and, you know, I appreciate, you know, knowing that, you know, knowing her as well as I do, that she's engaging in more than what she desires for me. So I want to return the favor by engaging in more of what she wants, more help around the house, more help with the kids, more, you know, just, you know, kind of flirting with each other, hugging each other, some more passion and romance and getting out of the house and doing more activities around. But during times when we've had, you know, our droughts, I'm not as motivated, I'm sluggish, I'm, you know, not you know, in as good of a mood because, you know, I'm more stressed out, you know, because, you know, crap happens at work and I'm not getting uh, all the release. I'm not getting the endorphins. I'm not, you know, getting all of that. And so I get a little sluggish and, you know, at times irritable, right? It's a physiological thing here. And so, yes, I start off with sex because I know that if you are the one who is looking to improve your relationship, I'm helping route you through the path of least resistance that will get you from point A of where you are to point B where you want to be in the quickest way possible. All right, so that answers uh, that particular question. And if uh, you don't agree with that and you don't like the advice I'm giving, you know, or you don't think it's for you. Hey, thank you for at least checking me out, but maybe this show isn't for you. Right. Or if you're not happy with your relationship, but you're unwilling to change, you know, or do anything, you know, to take that initial step, then I can't help you. Right. You got to decide whether or not, you're happy with your relationship the way it is, or you're not. Are you going to, you know, do different behaviors to get, you know, from where you are to where you want to be, or are you not? All right. And I understand that 
you know, if you're very much into politics and you're upset by politics, and I guess I'll touch on that just a little bit, um, but that may affect whether or not you're willing to engage because, you know, a relationship is give and take, right? You know, mutually, you know, you both give to each other and you both receive from each other. You both engage in things that, you know, that you may not necessarily want to do or do it more than you may want to. But that is, you know, because you're getting something in return. So I will discuss a little bit, you know, politically. I'm going to keep the politics a little bit light because this isn't really a politics show, you know, at all. You know, so if you're listening, please keep your politics, you know, uh, check your politics before you come into the show. But I'm going to address a couple of recent studies here. And yeah, but first, let's take a moment and thank our sponsor. Okay, and we're back. So this section, you know, I'll let you know, dives a little bit into politics, but not really too much. So if you're one of those people that are hypersensitive, you know, and defensive, you know, politically, please stop, right? Please stop and don't go any further, right? But if you're someone who can handle a light dose of politics, then let's continue. So there's two studies that I want to point out here. And the first study, you know, has been going on, you know, continuously, I believe, since like the 1970s, right? And so it went through the 60s, the 80s, the 90s, the early 2000s, and to today. And the study has shown that women are less happy today than they were all the way back in the 70s, right? That women, you know, in America at least, you know, their happiness is on a downward trend, you know, even though they've made great strides in equality. You know, so this has been kind of an interesting thing. So as the gender pay gap has been, you know, eliminated, as women have advanced, you know, in careers on par with men and, you know, going up and we, and I know, I know we can talk about the gender pay gap, even though, you know, on apples to apples comparison, it's been eliminated. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to go through uh, all the information on that because that's not what the show is, right? You want more information on that? You can check out my politics podcast, but as women have gained, you know, so much inequality, they have lost happiness. Right? And you can pretty much track where happiness started to decline with the rise of the second wave feminist movement. And the second wave feminist movement has been dominated by left-wing politics. And it hasn't really focused on, you know, women, even though it's feminist. It's been focused more on well, pretty much very little uh, else besides abortion, right? Now, you know, I'm not going to get into abortion, you know, here, but that's just been kind of my observation. It's all been about abortion and angry at men, right? And so we've gone through here, and maybe this is why, you know, relationships are getting more and more difficult and why now, you know, we're starting to see more of relationships just being virtual, right? Because we've, 
you know, grown up in, in a society where one group is being told that all their problems are because of, you know, the other group. You know, feminists are saying all the problems are because of men. You know, and so you grow up disliking men, and then you realize that if you want to have a family, you, you know, generally need a man. Even if you're a same-sex couple, you know, a lesbian couple, if you want to have a kid, at some point, you're going to need a guy's sperm, right? Now, you can talk about donations and all of that, but, you know, eventually, you know, guys are needed if you want to have a family, in one capacity or another, you know, but if you're not a lesbian and, you know, you're, you know, your profile is your cisgender, you know, you're a woman who's attracted, you know, to men, you know, and if you're not, I don't know why you're listening to this show, but okay. So if you're do, going through that, you can't go through and think all your problems are because of a man. And then you know, expect to have a great relationship with your man. You know, you think of them more as the adversary rather than your partner. And then we also take a look at, you know, men and women generally have different ideas of what they want out of life. You know, and th uh, and the second wave feminist movement has decided that, you know, for women, you know, you must be pressured into careers, even if you don't like the career, even if you don't want the career. You know, there are a lot of women who actually do prefer to be a stay-at-home mom. You know, want to be able to be there for their kids, to play with them, guide them, help, you know, do the primary raising of them. Because, well, you know, you know that every moment that you're at work is a moment you're not going to get back with your kids. Especially in the very early years, from birth to when they first start kindergarten. Right. And, you know, missing out on that has been one of the reasons why women are less happy. Another reason is, women, what were you thinking? You know, this is just a guy's perspective. And, you know, it's kind of humorous uh, a little bit. But, I mean, let's, let's really take a look at this. You know, before the second wave feminists uh, that went off and told you, go out, get the college degree go into the workforce and work hard, you know, and rise to the top, all right? Well, let's actually analyze that for a moment, and maybe this might explain why women are less happy. So before that, what was the traditional path for a woman? She would go through, get a general education, you know, maybe, maybe not go to college, you know, didn't really matter. You know, either way, you know, it was a personal choice, you know, and got married. And then while the guy got off uh, or got up and went to work, you got to stay home, right? You got to stay home. And, you know, before kids, you got to just, you know, spend all your days, you know, just gathering with all of your other friends. And, you know, you'd talk, you'd play cards, you'd go, you know, uh, run, exercise, be healthy, you know, you pretty much just did whatever you wanted all day. You had complete time, independence, and freedom. You know, maybe, you know, you would have to, you know, I guess maybe you would do some cleaning and, you know, um, but, you know, before kids, there wasn't really much of a mess to clean and then maybe cook one meal a day, right? But that involved what? You know, about an 
hours worth of work on average a day. And then you have the, in, the entire rest of the day to do whatever you wanted. And then if you had kids, well, you kind of did all that, but you spent a lot of your days playing with your kids or meeting with your friends that had uh, kids. And you would let the kids play while you talked or you got to play with the kids. And, you know, you still pretty much, you know, your day was completely up to you. And the feminist movement kind of went off and told you, no, no, no. You need to trade all that in and deal with all the bullshit of work, right? Now, think about that. They asked you to trade in having your entire day to do whatever you wanted, right, and play with the kids. Trade that in to go to work where you could have shitty bosses, incompetent bosses, asshole bosses, backstabbing coworkers. <laughs> Right, you know, um, deal with jealousy rumors. Basically, you traded all that in to go back to a high school environment. You know, um, now granted, that's not all cases. You know, some people can at least pretend to get along. Some people do get along. Right, um, but you know, then you got to deal with irrational, you know, customers, unreasonable deadlines, overworking. You know, quite frankly. You know, you know, if you women want to take over all the, you know, uh, rigors of the workforce and let us guys stay home all day to do whatever we wanted to all day, I'm all for that. You know, I'll support that. But I started wondering, you know, as far as the feminist movement, why women would trade up all trade all that time, independence and freedom to go to work and ask yourself, do you really like what you do for a job? Or do you complain? Now, I've talked, you know, with women, you know, in the workforce uh, doing, you know, some studies and surveys here, you know, just kind of, you know, doing my own research. Nothing real official, but, you know, just going through and I keep hearing something, you know, over and over again. Men in the workforce get along a lot better with each other than women in the workforce, you know, and... You know, I was going through and uh, there's this uh, one uh, that, you know, really kind of put it into perspective for me. She's, you know, uh, within a couple of years of retirement now. And she was complaining, you know, a little bit about, you know, some of the other, you know, uh, managers, you know, and they're specifically, you know, the female managers, you know, and talking about how she preferred men, you know, as managers. And her reasoning was, you know, that men... There was no emotion behind their decisions. There was no, you know, there was nothing personal, you know, uh, about, you know, their interaction, their approach to business or, you know, their goal setting, right? It was very, I guess, it was just very direct to the point. Here's what we need. Here's when we need it by. I need you to get it done, Right. But then she goes off and talks about, you know, the women managers and they're very, you know, more emotional, they're catty, they're, you know, they're, they seem like they feel threatened in their position. And that's when she brought up to me, you know, that in the workforce, it seems like men, you know, go through and try to compete with each other by trying to one up each other who can build the tallest building. 
you know, as an analogy that she brought to my attention. You know, it's all about trying to one-up each other. You, Oh, you built a 28-floor building? I'm going to build a 29. Oh, you built 29? I'm going to build 30. But she stated that her experience and all of her time in the workforce was that women, you know, um, you know, spend a lot of time, you know, trying to have the tallest building by tearing everyone else's building down. Now, I, I know that's not, you know, 100% of the time. You got a lot of female friends and, you know, at work as well. And, you know, and so that's not necessarily 100% of the case. But she stated that, you know, women, you know, when they don't get along, you know, they'll be fake with each other. They'll, you know, pretend to like each other and then do whisper behind each other's backs. And it's very, and it can be a toxic environment, but it can also be for the, you know, girls that you do get along with, you know, a very, you know, um, you know, supportive environment. But one of the things that she mentioned, you know, in that is that who she's been able to get along with, and she's not the only one that mentioned this, and who she wasn't able to get along with depended on position. You know, those in the same position as her, she did very well with and got along with, but the women above her, she always had problems with. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily your experience, and, you know, this is just a handful of uh, cases, you know, that I've observed. But I've heard it multiple times, but only you are going to be able to take a look at your own experience and determine whether or not that's true. But when we get into the less happy, you know, part, it all boils down to this in the survey. Are you actually going through and fulfilling what you want out of life? Or are you going off and running your life based off of what you believe the a group of people are expecting of you, right? Are you living the life that you want that, you know, makes you happy? Or are you just trying to make your mom happy, make your dad happy even? Are you trying to make this political group happy, you know, by fulfilling their expectations or this book club or whatever group? Are you, you know, just trying to live up to everyone else's expectations or are you following your own? And I believe that's where the less happiness is because yeah, there are plenty of women who go into the workforce, focus on their career. They're happy. They're fulfilled. They're satisfied. But there's a lot of women who go into the uh, workforce, hate their job, you know, miserable, but they feel obligated that they have to in order to fight for gender equality, whatever that looks like. And, you know, us guys, we're like, you know, if women, you know, really want to, you know, do all the, you know, going to work and earning a paycheck and let us men stay home, we're willing to do that. You know, we could stay home and play video games all day. We could we could spend all of our days at the park shooting uh, basketball or, you know, playing games or, you know, just going off and doing whatever. You really think guys wouldn't love to have an excuse to be able to stay home and just do our own thing all day? Now, of course, guys are more driven to want to accomplish tasks to feel fulfilled. But 
you know, we could find things to do, you know, at, you know, staying home all day. But in anyways, this gets, you know, kind of to the women are less happy, you know, and happiness has been declining since the second wave feminist movement. And then the second uh, study that has been done, and it was recently published in the New York Times. And, you know, I won't get into the politics, you know, of the New York Times or anything. But it did a survey of, you know, conservative women in marriage, uh, politically neutral women in marriage, and left, uh, left-leaning left women in marriage. And what they found is that women who, you know, were conservative, you know, and attended, you know, church with their spouse on a regular uh, basis are more happy in their marriage and in their life than all other groups of women, right? Than any other group of women, right? They're just happier. And this is where, you know, you really can't avoid the politics because the whole study was based around politics. But, you know, it was conservative women who regularly attend church. Conservative women who didn't regularly attend church were you know, slightly less happy, but still, you know, happier. I mean, they're like the second happiest group. You know, the centrist women who did or did not attend church, you know, they were kind of, you know, they were kind of there in the middle, uh, naturally. And then when you got further and further left, you know, uh, of politics, the women were less happy in their relationship, right? The women were not as, you know, fulfilled. And you get around to thinking about this, you know, and why is it that conservative women may be happier in their marriage? Well, one, they don't think of their spouse as an adversary. They think of them as their partner to whom they are sharing, you know, their life's goals and ambitions with and building a life together, not, you know, if... He, you know, does better, I do worse, you know, as if it's, you know, the more, you know, the bigger pie that he earns, the less pie I get. No, they believe in sharing together, you know, everything. And then what was, you know, the part about religion here, right? I mean, we can go through, you know, other things about conservatism. I'm just giving a high level to try and, you know, just lightly touch the politics you know, on, you know, viewing your spouse as a partner rather than an adversary, you know, and not blaming everything on your partner because your partner is of a certain gender, you know, on the politics, but, you know, shared values. And then church, well, one of the values of, you know, religion, church, is it builds community, a community of people with shared values. Now, you can build communities, you know, in other places and have certain areas in which you like doing things, you know, you know, you got people that you might like to go bowling with or people that are, you know, fun to play tennis with. But at church, you have a shared value system, a shared belief, and that builds community bonds, you know, and you're in a place in which, you know, promotes you to be the best person you can be. And so you build up that community and that support group and you have, you know, a lot of people, you know, around you 
while you're in a relationship that is based off of mutual respect. You know, um, now this only focused on Christianity. I didn't see, you know, um, what the results were for Judaism or Islam or Buddhism, if they did any of that, you know, or if they just kind of stuck to the stereotypes, you know, of, you know, who a typical conservative woman would be. Right. So anyways, you know, they went through and they did that and, you know, it's interesting, you know, so when you put the two studies together, and this is why I wanted to bring out both studies, you know, in this, when you put the two studies together, what have you seen? You've seen that, you know, women's happiness has declined as the modern, you know, feminist movement that we see today has grown. But we've seen that conservative women, you know, who attend church with their spouse are happier as a group, you know, on general than other than other, you know, groups of women politically and religiously. That might give you a hint, and I will say, you know, I haven't studied Judaism, you know, much other than reading the Old Testament of the Bible, and I haven't studied Islam. So I don't know what it what you know Islam says, and I have some vague, only a vague idea of some of the you know teachings of Judaism just because of the Old Testament. But I know in Christianity, one of the things is is that both partners in a marriage submit to each other, right? You know, the wife submits to the man, and the man submits to his wife. Right? It's a you know sharing of mutual respect of you being partners in the marriage in your relationship. That means, you know, and that's more than just physically, but you know, you kind of get to that. Your primary purpose is to try and help make each other happier. And then you tie that into the first part of this podcast, the path of least resistance. All right. So that's it uh, for this episode. Um, you know, I'm kind of nervous about what you think as I touched a little bit onto politics. Hopefully, you know, it doesn't, you know, turn, uh, many of you away. You know, I'm just reporting what the studies have shown and just kind of basing what my opinion is based off of those studies. And I hope you get a, you know, fuller, well-rounded answer as to what sex answers is and whether it's right for you, just in case you haven't gone back and listened to what that first introductory episode was about. And I do thank the listener uh, for their question. And anybody else, you know, if you want to provide me feedback, you know, or ask your question, just go to sexmancers.com, you know, the, and click on the tab that, you know, goes through and allows you uh, or, you know, pulls up the form uh, for you to submit your question. You know, do you want it answered on air or do you want me to respond via email? You know, and if you want to provide me feedback, am I spending too much time on the sex and you think I need to, you know, transition faster towards getting out of the bedroom more or whether or not you want me to focus a little bit more on sexual ideas to get him more in the mood 
and more prepared to be agreeable to all the other stuff out of the bedroom. Now, I will say this as a last note. I've noticed something, you know, when I look at, you know, my download numbers. And I, you know, am humbled by how many of you have subscribed and listened to this podcast, right? But I notice that every time I do an episode on anal sex, my download numbers go up. They shoot through the roof. You know, so I don't know. For some reason, the most interesting uh, topic, you know, uh, around sex and relationships seems to be focused around anal. You know, I mean, I get it. I, you know, I, I get the, you know, that anal, you know, anal sex is a thing. People like to do it, you know, and that there's a lot of curiosity around it and all that. But I'm still a little confused about why that is more popular than any other subject, not just by a little, but by a lot, you know? So, I mean, I, I know, you know, it, it's... I'm just, I guess I'm a little confused why that is like the number one topic everybody likes, right? And if that's the case, sure, I'll do more episodes, you know, on getting uh, into more anal play, but it, it was just kind of, you know, one of those things that was just kind of, you know, taking me back, you know, uh, a little bit, you know, looking at download numbers, how those n numbers on those episodes just skyrocket and tower, you know, above what my average download numbers are. And my average download numbers, I do thank you quite a bit for. You know, so if someone wants to explain that, or hey, if you have more specific questions around that topic, you know, of anal sex and want to get more specific answers for whatever your situation is, feel free to contact me. All right. So that's it for this episode. I thank you so much for listening. If you're looking for a good uh, gift as a gag to give uh, to the man in your life, you can check out my book, Women's Instruction Manual, Man's Collective Knowledge of the Female Mind. It's 200 blank pages, which covers man's collective knowledge of the female mind. <laughs> or you can go ahead to sexmasters.com forward slash shop. Check out you know uh, the merchandise there. You know, shirts, hoodies, um, mugs, you know, other items, you know, hats. And you can select uh, from there anything uh, that you find that you like. All right. Thank you so much. And I'll be back again soon.